Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Modern Mind with me, and only me. I'm afraid to say it's the end of 2023. I have 23 lessons to dissect and reflect upon for your eyes or ears. And we're going to do exactly that. So I've got a list of them in front of me. I'm not going to break them down too much as if I listed them out in this intro. It'd probably be quite a long intro and I'd give the game away. So I think we should just get started. Before we do that, please do remember to rate and or review the show on whatever platform you're listening on. Follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, and share this episode or an episode previously with a friend, family member, or pet. I don't care. Just get it out there, because the more that the show continues to grow, the more exciting guests, unlike just me, myself, and I, we can have on. And before we kick things off properly today, it is important to mention the show's sponsors, as without them, there would be no show. First up, we have Vivo Barefoot, who I've been wearing since January 2019, and you won't really catch me in anything else day to day. I'm, I'm kind of morphing into a cartoon character at this point, because I'm in the Novus pretty much every day. And whilst I do have a wide array of other options available at the house, because Vivo covers you across pretty much every setting that you could imagine, I've just really chosen the Novus as my weapon of choice day to day. So much so that I've actually stockpiled for the future, as I love them that much. All Vivos are wide, thin, and flexible, and have an open toe box as well as being zero drop, which is much more akin to being, you guessed it, barefoot. And this means that you can build your foot strength from the ground upwards. Study from the University of Liverpool in 2021 has indicated that you can improve your foot strength by up to 60% simply by wearing a pair of Vivos day to day. So if you want to be jacked and tan in your day-to-day life and apply your feet to that equation, then Vivos are the way to go. Generally speaking, my feet feel stronger, more robust, and I feel more in control of how I'm moving, running, and I'm just more comfortable on a day-to-day basis in them. And if you want to give them a go, you can use the code FERGUS20 until the end of 2023 to get 20% off. And if you're listening after that, then sorry, Fergus Vivo will have to do as it will get you 15% off. Please do let me know how you get on over social media as well, as I would love to hear how much you love them. Next up, we have Days Brewing, whose alcohol-free lager and pale ale are brewed just down the road from me in East Lothian, but sold nationwide. And I like to keep a fully stocked fridge, because when I'm craving a beer at the end of a stressful day, or at the end of a long week, or maybe with a, a takeaway on a Saturday night after a big training session, dare I say, when I'm inclined to reach for a beer, and there aren't any, but there is an alcohol-free one, I can have all of the ceremony of a beer, all of the ceremony of a pint, all of the enjoyment of a pint without any of the downsides, because it really doesn't take much alcohol for me these days for my cognitive ability, sleep, and therefore overall recovery to be affected. So simply by giving myself access to icy cold days lager or pale ale, I am making sure that whenever I have that sort of inclination, I can just have an alcohol-free one, enjoy myself, get all that I want out of it without any of the downsides. That's not to say that I won't have an alcoholic beverage or or several every once in a while. It's coming up to Christmas time, which means that that'll be a bit more common. But generally speaking, day-to-day, week-to-week, I like to really minimize my alcohol intake for the sake of overall productivity, cognitive ability, sleep, and recovery. So if you'd like to do the same, then you can save yourself 20% off with the code MODERNMIND20 at checkout. And again, do please let me know how you get on over social media. Anyway, without any further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to break down 23 lessons from 2023 from my perspective. Some of these are personal, some of these are business-related, some of these are training-related, some of these are general-related. That wasn't particularly 
intellectual, but nonetheless, these are a wide range of lessons that I have considered over the past couple of days to talk about in this podcast episode today. I'm just going to get straight to it with number one, which is the 24-hour rule. And that is, if you ever receive a message or email that spikes your emotion, to make sure to give at least 24 hours to respond to it. Don't respond immediately whilst the emotions are high, because you might say something you regret. You might jump to conclusions. You might make assumptions. You might cause more grief and emotion to deal with at the back end by making things worse, potentially. So look at things rationally, look at things logically, and take 24 hours to sit on, reflect on, let your emotions settle the subject matter at hand, whether that's business-related, personal relationship-related, or anything else. I think it's been something that's really helped me with some of the more challenging situations that I've had to face in 2023. Simple rule, when you receive a message, email, call, whatever it might be, that spikes your emotion, take 24 hours before getting back to it. Simple as that. Secondly, we have a concept from Oliver Berkman, which is the concept of 4,000 weeks, which is the average amount of time that human beings will spend on this planet. And I don't have a huge amount of insight to offer here, other than the fact that when I first heard of that as a concept, it really forced me to reframe my perspective on things a little bit, because a lifetime sounds like a lot longer than 4,000 weeks. 80, 90 years sounds like a lot longer than 4,000 weeks. 4,000 weeks sounds like a reasonable amount of time, but also one that's quite comprehensible. And therefore, it's made me look at things a little bit differently in terms of how I make decisions based on the age I am now, what the future looks like, where I am a little bit more conservative with spending, things like that. It's kind of a case of how do I want to live my life within the context of knowing that I have, on average, 4,000 weeks to live it. There's no real profound takeaways that I've had personally within that sort of lens of reflection, but I just felt myself always coming back to that as a concept whenever I was faced with decision-making. Fergus, you have 4,000 weeks on this earth. How do you want to spend them? And using that as a guiding principle for some of my decision-making, I have found very, very useful as a way of looking at everything with the context of the here and now, as well as the future. I think it's made me a little bit more spontaneous and a little bit, more future thinking as well rather than just it's made me less erratic I guess is kind of the, the way that I'd view things it's not been it's not been life-changing per se but it's just a good calibration point for me to hold myself accountable to whenever I'm thinking about the bigger picture thirdly curiosity I have determined this year that curiosity is what gets me out of bed in the morning it's what helps drive the businesses forward it's what determines what I'm training for it what determines how I spend my time that is the thread of DNA that runs through everything that I do which is why I've spoken about this a lot recently why I haven't yet done a high rocks I have a lot of people messaging me regularly saying oh Fergus you should do a high rocks you'd be good at it probably would it's it's sort of on paper something that I should excel at it's almost like it's designed for me but I don't really have an interest. It isn't something that I get excited about. It isn't something I'm curious about personally, not to say it's not a fantastic event and other people should do it and there's value in it massively. But for me personally, I'm just not drawn to it as much as I'm drawn to other things. And that's absolutely fine, in my opinion. So if it doesn't make me curious, it's not worth doing. It's kind of something that I reflect upon a lot this year and will continue to reflect upon moving forwards. I think that's what ultimately decide, determines why I am a quote-unquote hybrid athlete because I like lots of different sports, I like lots of different disciplines and by using curiosity as my guiding principle it forces me to continue to explore myself, disciplines, surroundings, environments and constantly skill myself up with new things and I'm very happy with the position I'm in, 
as it means I can sort of dip my toe in this, dip my toe in that, go from this to that and enjoy the process in doing so. And ultimately not attach myself too much to the identity that comes with any one sport, any one business, any one industry. I can be quite fluid, which means that it's easier for me to be more malleable to the changes of the week by week, month by month, which I think is valuable. Number four, context and adapting to the rules of them. So great example, the Modern Mind podcast. My hard and fast rule is an episode a week. Once I committed to an episode a week, that was it. Job done. That's what we're doing from now on. And when we moved into this place, into the podcast studio, I very much wanted to maintain that. We had a backlog of guests ready to record that would allow us to maintain that within the context that I had available to me at the time. However, the Wi-Fi engineer was two weeks late, which meant that all of the guests that we had booked in to record, we didn't have access to Wi-Fi for, so I had to sort of tentatively delay them because we didn't yet have Wi-Fi and didn't want to trust Hotspot. So that sort of started a cascade of stress and fear around potentially missing the one a week rule and that we did we ended up taking a sort of unplanned pause for a couple of months as we got this place set up let the dust settle from what was a chaotic period of work and whilst I was kind of punishing myself and feeling like I'd broken a rule and I'd let myself down and I'd not done what I said I was going to do I looked at the context, understood the context, and made my peace with it based on the fact that the context had changed. The rule in which, sorry, the context in which the rule was created had been adjusted, therefore the rule needed to be adjusted. And now that we've started again, the plan is very much to be one episode a week, but if the context of now having bricks and mortar to manage along with lots of other things with the growing businesses... I will be able to make my peace with the fact that sometimes life gets in the way. And rules are fantastic to keep you accountable to move things forwards. But ultimately, the YouTube channel, the podcast, the businesses, there's so much going on that training even that I know I will do and I know is a priority to me. But juggling a lot of priorities means that sometimes there'll be some conflict, which means that other things need to take precedent that day. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person, that suddenly everything's falling apart and that you're a failure because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. But you just need to look at the context of the here and now and make decisions within that context. So rules are fantastic as long as they don't make it impossible to accept the context in which you're operating within because sometimes that can change and can mean that life gets in the way. Number five, environment is huge. Again, specifically talking about the bricks and mortar that I'm sitting in, we're sitting in right now. This has been a game changer for me, for for Johnny, for Jamie behind the camera, for Scott, the new media manager that we've got. We've got some more staff joining us in 2024. This has been massive. Having a routine, having a place, having somewhere that you can turn up, having somewhere that we can build, having somewhere that's tangible, having a, a real sort of dedicated space, I guess is what it is simply, that is away from my house, first and foremost, has been massive for me. And I don't want to sound overly sort of in a good place with this, because obviously it's, I'm very fortunate to have access to the office as well as space to have an office at the house, um, which is something obviously I'm very grateful for. But having a clear distinction between work and home for me, has massively improved my quality of life because there was little to no distinction. Home had become a workplace. I've got a gym in the garage. I've got everything was there. Laptop was there. Phones were there. The office was upstairs. Whenever anything happened, I'd immediately be drawn to it. And it was impossible to be present at the house and be fully present in my work because the dogs were barking, the doorbell was going, all these things. So having a very clear distinction 
has given me a much better routine. It's given me a much better training structure. It's allowed me to manage everything much better. And that is a product of environment. So it's been said to death on podcasts over and over again, but if you are ever struggling or feel like you're a bit of a loss, an environment change can be a huge thing. It can also be a negative. So if you, for example, have moved to a new city and you're wondering why you haven't found your feet, why you maybe don't feel 100%, there's been a huge environmental shift, which is something that needs managed and needs to be taken seriously. So whenever you have a big environmental shift, be aware that it will impact your day-to-day, your mood, and that can be positive or negative. So just keep an eye on it, look after yourself, keep in touch with those around you. But for me personally, having a dedicated space here with everything under one roof has been enormous for me, myself, my relationships, and the wider team this year. Number six is exactly that, the wider team this year. It's been phenomenal to spend more time with the people that sort of keep the business ticking over. We've had some community events with Omnia where we've got more people together. We've just spent more time interacting on a day-to-day basis with human beings. And after the sort of events of 2020 to 2022 that sort of took our lives over quite drastically... I'm, I'm a huge advocate for spending time with people as often as we can and not just getting comfortable being at home. I got comfortable working and being at home. And as I've just mentioned, that became quite overwhelming and difficult to make a distinction between work and, and family day-to-day life. So from a personal fulfillment, from a personal enjoyment, from a personal pride, from a personal happiness point of view, spending more time with the important people in the businesses day-to-day, collaborating, thinking, talking about things when it's not over email in ways that could be misconstrued and the 24-hour rule needs applied or anything like that has been huge. It's made workflow more productive. It's made me happier. It's made all of my day-to-day processes and outputs better. And I do massively put that down to the fact that there has been a conscious and obvious increase in the amount of time that I'm spending with people on a day-to-day basis. So I do want to have a lesson there. I'm not going to make any assumptions or suggestions based on the individual contexts of those listening. But I think if you if you feel like you're disconnected from people, connection to people can be a very, very valuable thing, which sounds incredibly obvious. But I very much got into the pattern of, of feeling that way and not really doing anything about it. So if you feel disconnected, try and be more connected. We've made a conscious effort to be more connected with this place, and I feel much better for it. And I know a lot of the team do too. Number seven, booze. I've spoken about my attitude to booze on this podcast, and Days Brewing form a a sort of key component of it as a sponsor. And Days are in my fridge at all times because my relationship with booze is now pretty binary, which is unless there's a justifiable occasion to drink alcohol. I'm kind of avoiding it entirely. And I don't want that to sound like social occasions need booze to make them sociable or that uh, sort of that, that that's something that is required, but more that I want, I like being cognitively clarity, cognitively clarity. I like having cognitive clarity on a day-to-day basis, and booze gets in the way of that. So I try to avoid having arbitrary drinks with meals, arbitrary drinks at the weekend, a few here or there. If I'm meeting up with people during the week, I'll have a couple of non-alcoholic beers. I'm having a homemade pizza and a beer at the house. It'll be non-alcoholic. But if I'm going to a stag do, if I'm going to a friend's birthday party, if we're in a new city, going to a really good restaurant, Erin and I 
They'll make sure to have a glass of wine that goes nicely with the food, stuff like that. But more and more, my attitude has become one of scarcity with it just because of the knock-on effect on the Sunday, the Monday, even the Tuesday at points. And that can happen with as few as one or two beers. I actually, we had our Christmas night out at Omnia the other day, and I really enjoyed having seven or eight pints over the course of the evening. Felt a bit rough the following day. But it was very much an occasion that justified the way that I felt in the days that followed because it was a lot of fun, we had a good time, and some fantastic memories were made. So generally speaking, I avoid booze entirely at this point unless the social occasion justifies it, which I think this year has been about eight or nine occasions. And Christmas is just around the corner, so that will be 10, and then New Year, 11. So that's kind of how things are looking. Ultimately, if you've watched my video on YouTube about my attitude to booze, it hasn't changed a huge amount but there are less justifiable social, social occasions within the context of my year now where I will, as, as we say, chuck the kitchen sink at it. I get a lot of value from socialising with people with or without alcohol, and generally speaking, the value is there without the alcohol for me. But yeah, stag do in October where many, many beers were consumed and I felt rough for the whole week that followed. But I don't regret a single thing because it was a lot of fun and it was great to catch up with people that I hadn't seen for a long time. Number eight... Strongman is very fun, but very, very impractical. And as much as I enjoyed a summer of strongman training alongside my track work, I learned that tacky, the sticky stuff that strongmen use for Atlas Stones and whatnot, is actually an adhesive. It is glue. And I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting it to be that. So when, fortunately, training with Luke and Tom Stoltman and Rongo Keane up in Inverness... I asked, how do I get this glue, tacky, off my bare skin? To be told, paint stripper is the answer, was where I started to think, hmm, this sport is a lot of fun, but fitting this into the week-to-week -week is going to be quite difficult because it's such a high-output, high-demand, high-intensity sport. The sessions can be long with big rest periods. If you're getting tacky on and off, there's a lot of admin involved with that. And it's just so, so neurologically and physically demanding from the big, big, big movements that come in awkward positions that whilst I really, really enjoyed it, I was quite grateful at the end of the period to not have to factor it in on a week-by-week -week basis just because the the blood pressure from big, big breaths and walking with heavy weights and everything was, was challenging and enjoyable. But yeah, it took a lot from me on a day-to-day -day basis. But I have a newfound love for strongman movements We've got some Atlas stones in the gym to my right. We've got a stone loading platform on the way. We've got a log. We've got some stones, some actual stones with pins, like the Dinny stones being made for the gym. The Omnia stones are being made. How exciting. Mid-2024, we should have them. And it's a, a fantastic mechanism of applying strength and one that I very much want to continue with my own training but I am going to take it easy on the tacky application because the practicality of it is a pain in the arse and actually the bare skin forearms biceps and nipple regions as well because it very much pulls on the hair around said areas so the lesson is I love strongman brackets in small dosages Number nine, balance of intensity. And by that, I mean that I live in Edinburgh. I live in suburban Edinburgh, in fact. The office is in Edinburgh, and Edinburgh is a fantastic place. I love it here. I'm not shy about that at all. But it's slower paced compared to major cities. And I'm a very intense bloke. I am very driven. I'm sort of very always on. And Edinburgh can sometimes feel a little bit slow for me. I don't mean that offensively in any way, shape, or form. It's more a reflection on me as an individual. 
But I am very aware now of how much value I get from dipping in and out of London on a regular basis. At points this year, I was up and down seven, eight days a week, uh, seven, eight days a week, that'd be a lot, seven, eight days a month. And I was in LA in February, I was in New York City last week, and just those big, chaotic, high stress, high demand areas, I like dipping in and out of, but couldn't live in them because of the compromise that comes with green space, local oceans, all the stuff that I've got here, all the hills, everything like that. And for me, I need to make a conscious effort to make sure that I do factor in time spent in those places, because if I spend too long being intense in a slower environment, it can start to make me feel a little bit loopy in a certain sense. And that a lot of that can be mitigated by actually just dipping into these chaotic environments and sort of feeling the stress and the intensity and then retreating back to my sort of safety and comfort up here with all the green space, all the oceans, all the hills, et cetera, et cetera. So there is value to be had in having things to look forward to and anticipate in in sort of places that you enjoy visiting. Wow, what an obvious thing to say, Fergus. It sounds like you've just described a holiday. But no, for me, from a sort of work perspective, it's been great to dip in and out and have different conversations with people that are moving at different paces and different areas and different backgrounds and things like that. So from a networking day-to-day point of view, I get a huge amount of value from visiting, sort of jetting in, jetting out of the higher-paced environments here in the UK and the rest of the world. I don't really know what the lesson is there, but for me, it's just something that I'd like to maintain for my own well-being. Otherwise, I do start to feel a little bit isolated and I get a lot of value from feeling other people's stress and intensity in major cities, absorbing it back into my own and then moving on with my day-to-day. Hope that makes sense. That was probably the least concise and most convoluted point thus far, but here we are. Number 10, concept of obsession slash selfishness. A lot of this has sort of been really pulled on with the episode I recently did with Zach Pogrob, who was the, the sort of man behind Behaviour Hacks. And I, I think I often reflect on the healthy side of obsession and the unhealthy side of obsession, how it has a relationship with selfishness, positive selfishness, negative selfishness. Is a prolonged period of selfishness the best way to earn a prolonged period of selflessness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes I do feel a bit selfish with how I spend my time because everything's quite work-focused. I I kind of try and avoid doing things that I don't see merit or enjoyment in where possible, which is obviously a fortunate position to be in. But yeah, I, I think from the outside in, some people could maybe in certain contexts label me a bit more selfish than I used to be but that's because I'm obsessed with what we do here what this podcast the YouTube channel building Omnia building the modern mind building the sort of the, the corporate speaking and the corporate well-being initiatives that come with the modern mind and the corporate setting all the things that happen behind the scenes I am obsessed with I love it and that is why it's what I'm focusing on day to day and that's been a prolonged thing that I've worked on for the past six or seven years ultimately so to be here reflecting on it is a positive thing because it's been a really exciting year. It's been a really exciting period of growth. And I've often found myself having to sort of check myself on, is this spiraling out of control a little bit? Are you a little bit too obsessed with the day-to-day and not making any gaps to to have a positive environment change or anything like that? And I think I've got it under control, but it's definitely something that I'm focusing on and reflecting on constantly is it's quite a thin line to tread between selfishness and obsession where it can become healthy versus unhealthy. And I'm not in any way apologizing for being obsessed with what I focus on because I love it and it it has a positive impact in some ways and is moving things forward. We're building new team members and everything's growing, which is fantastic. But yeah, I just need to, to hold myself accountable to 
thinking around the fringes of those things because it is a thin line. And there's periods where it can be always on, but that can't be the norm. I often talk about the double brutal. The, the three-month period prepping for that last year was where it definitely spilled, spilled over into the side of unhealthy obsession. Um, but it was a case of getting it done so that I could go into a period of not not being obsessed anymore, but being a little bit more measured in how I spent time doing certain things. Whereas the double brutal prep was always on completely no gaps. Whereas the day-to-day now, there's little bits here, little bits there. Where I, can, I can sort of break away from the day-to-day chaos and obsession of things. So if you're obsessed with something, make sure that you don't leave everybody else behind in the process because that can quite quickly become a selfish pursuit that is a negative manifestation of obsession. But it's very good to be obsessed with what you do because that is a form of passion and commitment combined. So if you can find that balance and make sure you hold yourself accountable to some parameters that you set yourself in terms of how you want to manage your relationships, how you want to manage yourself, how you want to manage your time overall, you will be better off in the long run from my personal perspective. Number 11, simplicity. I found a huge amount of value in simplifying certain things this year. I think in an ideal world, if I could have 10 pairs of running shorts, 10 pairs of running tops, 10 pairs of running socks and 10 other iterations of that for day-to-day training, for lower body, for upper body, I would be a very happy man because it takes away all the guesswork. It takes away all the friction. Same with food. I've eaten quite a similar, predictable, plain diet, especially since we moved into the office. Everything's been quite simple. I've liked removing the guesswork around things because it means I can apply to other things. And yeah, this, this year more than ever, I've noticed that I'm more drawn to keeping things simple and not being drawn to new shiny things as much as I had done previously Maybe that's because everything's been so fulfilling with everything I mentioned thus far. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Who knows? But I think there's a lot to be said for for cartoon characters and the fact that they've just got their look and that's just what they've got every day. So you never know. Maybe this time next year you'll think, is Fergus now a cartoon character because he wears the same clothes every day? But there's a lot to be said for simplicity. Where's it been? It's been clothing, food, um, routine sort of weekend plans. I just sound like a boring bastard at this point, I think. Systems, things like, yeah, how how internally can we make everything simple as possible? I mean, yeah, reducing friction, I guess, is part and parcel of a lot of what makes an efficient business, what makes an efficient day-to-day, and simplicity is at the core of that. So this isn't revelatory, but for me personally, I've seen a lot of value in trying to make things simple in my own life, in my work life, day-to-day. K-I-S-S, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Number 12, there is a significant amount of people on the internet that don't know what hybrid training is. That's a big lesson from 2023. There's been a a boom on TikTok. There's been a boom in southwest London. There's been a boom as a result of high rocks, I think, whereby the phrase hybrid training has become a little bit convoluted and people don't actually know the origins of it. The origins of it are with Alex Viada in the book, the, drumroll please, the hybrid athlete in 2020-15. Is that in the future or is that in the past? I don't know. But either way, the hybrid athlete was written by Alex Viada in 2015. Johnny, my business partner with Omnia, was a huge component of writing that book with Alex. And that was where the phrase was first coined. That's where the concept was first coined and everything has developed from there. And it is the concurrent training of two or more disciplines that do not inherently support one another and whose disparate components are not essential to success at any one sport. And that is to say that you are training to make progress in two or more sports that do not inherently support one another. So running doesn't inherently make you a better powerlifter. Powerlifting doesn't inherently make you a better runner. 
Those are two individual sports that if you're training side by side for progression, importantly, that is therefore hybrid training. Running without a real goal or intention and doing some lifting to support your running is just strength and conditioning for running. That is not by default hybrid training. It's not a bad thing by any means. Running's great. But in terms of definitions and how things are becoming conflated, I think why I feel the need to bring this up is because there are certain groups that are trying to take ownership of the phrase, that are trying to apply a certain meaning to the phrase, 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 that is raising the barrier to entry. When in reality, what I see the value of hybrid training being, what I know Alex saw the value of hybrid training being, was reducing the barrier to entry to multiple sports. For people that came from a gym background but wanted to try a triathlon, but had the triathletes saying they could never do it because they spend so much time in the gym, or vice versa. People's attachment to certain sports mean that there's these arbitrary parameters that get placed around who you need to be, what you need to look like, or how you need to act to take part in them. And going back to the curiosity point, people are curious. People want to try new things. And I think what hybrid training, by its very definition, is is designed to do is to allow more people to have more fun doing more things. But there is a bit of a cohort online of people trying to raise the sort of level and sort of apply a definition that's a bit more arbitrary and not really in line with what Alex coined the phrase as in 2015 as to... A lot of the time, just groom their own ego, which is is sort of a big claim to make, I guess. But there is no governing body. There is no test. There is no way of proving yourself as number one. So therefore, there is no ego to be groomed, in my mind. And I've taken part in a lot of hybrid activities over the years. And this year again, yeah, I guess grammatically that was correct. But I've taken part in a lot of hybrid activities over this year and previous ones. And I would never dream of trying to lay claim to being number one or pushing for the throne or some of the narratives that I see online that are getting a bit wild. But I think that is the very essence of why it's brilliant, because it allows people to focus on what makes them curious, what is exciting to them, and means that they don't need to attach themselves to any one box, any one grouping. They can spend time with triathletes. They can spend time in a powerlifting gym. They can spend time in functional fitness boxes, whatever it might be. And and sort of get involved without needing to worry about judgment or feeling out of place or feeling like they don't know what they're doing. And that comes from having reduced the barrier to entry, not raised it. So there is a definition. It's fairly loose. I'm not one to gatekeep it. Alex actually hasn't tried to gatekeep it. I'm kind of doing that for him, which I'm not sure he'd be all that pleased about because he's a very benevolent and lovely man. But yeah, I, I, I get frustrated when I see narratives online that are almost trying to attach too much ego to it and are therefore potentially reducing, sorry, raising the barrier to entry rather than reducing it. What we want to do at Omnia, what I want to do through my content is show to people that you can do a lot of things, have fun developing yourself across disciplines and therefore as an individual learning along the way and not being too binarily attached to individual disciplines and missing out on the world of opportunity that is out there. So hopefully that message comes across. And if you're listening, thinking that you have tried to inherently raise the barrier to entry for hybrid training by attaching your own definition to it, then unfortunately, there is one, it exists. And I would like you to not do that because I think that devalues the concept as a whole. Thank you very much. Number 13, I am still susceptible to, and probably always will be, susceptible to depression. There's definitely been a few periods of time this year where I've really felt up against it and I've started to feel myself slip into back old habits, into old 
sort of feelings day to day, old dark clouds over my head, old moods that are definitely familiar to me from past times of my life. I just feel much better equipped with the toolbox that I've got now to manage them. And all the things that I refer to, for example, this office, a lot of the decision-making and thinking around this office was done to try and just optimize our day-to-day to make everything smoother. I was starting to really struggle with managing everything out of the house. It meant that Erin was getting upset with me for what ostensibly came across as me not caring about the house. But that's because without realizing it, I viewed it as a workplace. So everything for me was practically led. There was sort of no if Aaron suggested that we got new floors done, we've just had new floors done, by the way, I'd look at it as a sort of cost in the P&L of the workplace and I'd see that money being better spent on something for the gym or something like that because it, it, my mindset was purely driven for the businesses within a within a household and that meant that my relationships around it weren't as optimal as they could be. I wasn't getting as much value from walking the dogs first thing in the morning or last thing at night at the house because it kind of felt in the way of work. All these little things that are quite quite minor in the grand scheme of things and sound like very first world problems, but they were stacking up and up and up and I did start to feel myself slipping backwards, which is where we took the decision, you know what, a fantastic investment for the businesses and for us will be somewhere that you can close the door at the end of the day confidently Every single day, we were in a WeWork previously, which had kind of become no longer fit for purpose due to the parking situation around it. Um, So this place has been a godsend, and it really has helped. But it has made me aware that I am never going to be completely over the hump of managing depression or bouts of. I am very pleased with the toolbox that I've equipped myself with over the years to be able to deal with it and take proactive action, however. And again, huge thank you to to Erin and those around me for, for keeping me accountable to myself and to those things and and for, for listening to me when I've been honest with about how things are feeling and, and working through them, that's that's really important. Support networks are very important, especially at this time of year. So make sure to check in on those around you. Make sure to check in with yourself and take it seriously because, yeah, it's been a, it's been a challenging year for us all. And the world and governments don't seem to be making that any easier. So check in on everyone, including yourself. Number 14, I've tried, but I just don't. I just don't like TikTok. I'm going to say it. It's not for me. I'll continue to put stuff up there and hope that it pops off, but I'm not going to put a huge amount of thought into it. I, I, I don't I don't like that there's very little context and everything's so dopamine and short attention span driven. I, I, I prefer context and long form content, so I will continue to focus on that. I have tried because the industry that I operate in, the world that I live in, it is a core component and there's a fear that if you don't get to know, you'll get left behind, etc. all these things. But again, it does not make me curious. Therefore, I have struggled to start caring about it. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. I have tried, but I, I do not personally vibe with TikTok as much as other people might. So that's probably me shadow banned on TikTok, never to get a like or a view again which means that sticking up podcast clips from this very podcast might not be that fruitful. But I've said my mind, and that's what matters in life. Number 15, I haven't fulfilled my desire to push the concept and narrative of men's mental health as much as I would have liked this year. And that's been down to the priorities and the growth of the business. I've had to look after myself. There's been a lot going on, and just it's been a huge, huge year. And you've got to be realistic about what you can achieve within the context I am very, very proud to have raised over £100,000 for Movember for the cause of men's mental health, but working to that point was a huge, huge endeavour that took a lot from me and essentially became a full-time job on top of then a full-time job. 
I'm now fortunately running sort of my own businesses and, and can therefore manage what I allocate my time to and what the priorities are. But with that comes the fact that I've sort of inadvertently created a space where I can't take on anything else. And there is a desire within me to keep pushing that narrative through a community, through a big impact push point of view. And I've got some ideas for next year, but I do want to try and continue to push that through my own experiences, through the, the sort of passion that I have to, to share that narrative. The podcast is probably the, the, the best method for that. And there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes with the modern mind, with corporates, um, with schools that isn't really on social media, which is where I do that work. But from a social media platform, social outreach, community engagement point of view, I would love to take on a big project in 2024. There were plans for something big in November this year, but the way that this place unfolded, I ended up getting married in November. A whole load happened that meant it just couldn't happen without it being an unhealthy pursuit and an unhealthy obsession for me. So there is an itch to be scratched. I would like to continue to make a stamp publicly with that, although I am very proud and confident in the work that I've done publicly to date. I would just like to keep it going because as I've said, it's been a tough year for everyone. It's something that's still very close to my heart, something I still very much suffer with myself. And if I go too long not scratching that itch, then I might feel like I, I lose sight of the of the narrative on social media so that I can continue to sort of have a voice within it in that setting. I obviously have a lot of time presenting this conversation in, in corporates and schools, I mentioned on a regular basis. But that in-person setting is very different to presenting stuff online, having big campaigns, projects that are going out online because it's a completely different ballgame. So I would like to play the other ballgame a little bit more in 2024 alongside the, the sort of more back office, off social media stuff. Number 16, go solo. And by that, I mean to events, to networking things. It's kind of a pickup artistry trick in some ways, which is if you force yourself to just have to have conversations with people, you will get better and therefore more confident. I think that was a pickup artistry trick back in the day where you were recommended to just go and speak to strangers on the street because it would force you to break through the inertia of awkward conversations. And if you could just keep up a conversation, you would therefore be more confident and thus more desirable to the person or opposite sex, same sex, however you're approaching things. And that doesn't just apply to dating, pickup artistry. I think that's where it's come from. I might be completely making that up, but there were a few events this year that I I, I wanted to go to as part of sort of um, members clubs or there were the things that I saw online. I thought, you know what, I'd like to go to that. And there weren't really any friends or, or people I had to go with or that weren't available. I wouldn't really ask Erin. She'd probably come out of, out of pity, but I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go anyway. And I'm just going to put myself in a setting where I'll just have faith that the other people that are going will have similar interests to me and therefore I'll enjoy the day out and probably meet some new people in the process and having done that a few times this year I'm now completely confident in doing that and have broken the inertia which comes with more confidence and comes with more opportunity because when I next see an event I think oh I'd like to go for that do I have any friends that want to come would Aaron come no 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 just go just go and that means that I'm not going to miss out on something that could be valuable because I felt like I had to go with somebody else. So there's a huge amount of value in just putting yourself out of your comfort zone socially and kind of going solo. I know people solo travel and will always harp on about how great it was because they met so many fantastic people. Similar concept, I'm sure. But try and not let the fear of not going with somebody put you off from going to the thing that you want to go to, I guess, is the message. Number 17, marriage. It's cool, in my opinion. I know there's people that viciously disagree with that, but 
Erin and I got married mid-November. Very, very pleased. Fantastic weekend. Absolutely thrilled. And it was it was wonderful. Very, very small ceremony. We decided to keep it as simple as possible to manage social dynamics and all of the venues and weather considerations. And we just we just didn't neither of us had the time nor energy within the context of the year to apply the focus and time that would be required for a wedding to be executed to the standard for our sort of absolute ideal across all purposes. So we decided to reflect on what what do we want things to look like if it was simple? Keep it simple, stupid. Here we are. And we had exactly that. It was fantastic. And the feeling that I've had since then has been great. I feel more mature, which isn't to say that those aren't married are immature, but the only real tangible feeling that I've had since is saying my wife feels much more mature and I feel much older in saying that. Other than that, it's kind of cool to acknowledge that nothing really feels very different for me and Erin, personally. So, yeah, I'm just very pleased. That's been a big lesson for me in 2023 that I very much enjoyed my marriage. So it's a pretty arbitrary one. You probably didn't need to know that, but I just thought I'd put it in there because I've still got a smile on my face. So there we are. Number 18, the past needs to be tackled. And that's a vague and cryptic one, but specific example, the stag do that I referred to earlier was in Newcastle. And those of you that have followed what I put up online or the November stuff in the past will know that Newcastle was the city that I suffered most with my depression and actually suicide attempt with in the past. So I haven't really been back since then. And we went to a stag do mid end of October in Newcastle. And I kind of got off the train and everything felt familiar and it was kind of it was kind of cool to be there. I went to the burrito place by the central station where I'm on the wall as a uh, a hall of shamer for failing to eat a triple burrito within 10 minutes because, and I stand by this, they wrapped it so poorly that halfway through all the rice started falling out. So with 45 seconds to spare, I had to sort of pick up rice like a madman and couldn't shovel enough rice into my mouth and my hands, so therefore fell short. But all of the wraps and contents of the wraps, barring the rice that had fallen out, had been consumed within the time cap. But nonetheless, I ended up on the Hall of Shame. So it was quite funny going back and seeing that. But on the Friday night, we went to areas that sort of I spent a lot of time uh, time in when I was younger, when back in the city centre, and it just, it just, it didn't really bother me at the time. But sort of over the next couple of days, it just all felt a little bit sort of uncomfortable. I felt quite anxious. I felt a little bit exposed, and that was just feelings of the past coming back. And I hadn't really acknowledged that that was something that was going to pop up, but I also couldn't really attach any reasons to why, other than that it was a familiar place. And that is probably because I haven't effectively, truly unpacked that period of my life quite as effectively as I obviously might need to, to be completely comfortable with going back. Or maybe it's just a completely human reaction. I don't know. But I do just want to acknowledge that I went back to somewhere that was familiar to a negative period of my life, and it did make me anxious, feel a little bit exposed, and it did have sort of an emotional effect on me. But I had a fantastic weekend with my friends, and whilst I did feel very hungover for the rest of the week, it was a, it was a, great, it was a great weekend all around. But it was just a... Yeah, there was an overarching anxiousness that I experienced the whole weekend that is is not really something that I experience anywhere else. So I'm putting that down to the sort of little feelings I was having here or there that came from the familiarity that I was attaching to a previously negative period of my life. And maybe for me, there's a little bit more unpacking to do there. Number 19, minimize exposure to the news. And this is something I tell my mum off for all the time. It might sound a little bit tinfoil hatty, but there's a lot of things that have happened in the past couple of years that we can't really impact on a day-to-day basis. And there's atrocities all over the world happening that I 
don't necessarily understand as much as I would like to to be able to have an informed opinion, which is kind of how I form opinions. So I don't really feel like I'm aware enough to really, which which is which is ignorance, it's blissful ignorance, I guess, in many ways. If you want to attack me for that, but for anything that I can't have an impact on personally, that is going to affect me emotionally and therefore have an impact on me personally, I, I try and avoid. And I think post negative period from 2020 to 2022, the period that must not be named, for, quite literally, if, if I say the words associated with that period, it will flag this podcast as talking about that and give a, a, a sort of warning around it on Spotify. That period of time, I think, allowed, gave, them, gave, gave media the opportunity to be sensationalist and they saw that people didn't really, really call them out on it. So since then, it's kind of been the engagement and short-term attention span and fear-mongering, everything that's gone with it is quite, is designed to, to get people clicking. It's, it's designed to get people angry and emotional. So given that that's what it's designed to do, I try and generally avoid it, other than obviously just making sure I'm aware of current affairs and in an objective sense. Well, if that even exists anymore, some would argue. I'm sounding very tinfoil hatty, but I'm just trying to manage the, the opinions of those listening entirely. Generally speaking, I want to be aware of what's going on in the world, but I don't want to interact with the news around it too much, given that the news is essentially designed to monetize and create a currency of attention and engagement. So my rule is kind of, if it's something that's going to affect me emotionally, personally, by being aware of it, but it's something that I quite literally cannot impact as an individual without quitting my job and doing XYZ to go and have an impact, which which isn't a justifiable option, then, well, not yet. Nothing's happened that makes that a justifiable option just yet. Never say never. Then I try and avoid it having an impact on me day to day because there might be downstream results of that where I'm a bit more irritable or emotional or a little bit more existentially drained, all these things that go with it. So, yeah, I'm trying to be aware of what's going on in the world, but trying not to engage too much with doom scrolling on news outlets or just having the BBC News on in the background on Tuesday afternoons or anything like that. So you might believe that that's blissful ignorance and is the wrong way to go, and you're more than entitled to that opinion, but I feel that if I can't have an impact on something, my resources as an individual, my decisions, my thoughts, day-to-day, etc., etc., are all better spent and allocated elsewhere, personally speaking. So be interested to hear your perspectives on that one in the comments down below, or if you drop me a message or add it to the Q&A in Spotify, as, yeah, probably the most contentious topic of the day. Number 20, American Express points are fantastic. And if you can leverage them correctly, then it makes travel a lot easier. So uh, this is not financial advice, which is the, the first and foremost thing. But over the past couple of years, the BA Premium Plus Amex card has made me traveling to and from the States and everything much, much easier with a combination of Avios and companion vouchers. And then having Amexes for the business means that I can accumulate more points that can then be applied for international travel at fantastic rates. So I would encourage you, if you are somebody that is looking to travel cross borders all over the world and and sort of make it as cost effective as possible, which I'm sure is, is a lot of us, then you can be quite sensible and informed as to how to leverage money you were already going to spend a little bit further with points to be able to capitalize on the benefits that are out there to make that travel easier. So I'm going down a, an interesting route here of not, I'm not going to make any recommendations, but I'm just going to say that travel for me in 2024 has been made much easier and much more cost effective by being sensible and diligent with American Express points 
over the past couple of years. And the sort of that's all stacked up to this point and is, is working quite well. So compounding interest of upskilling yourself in something, doing the time and being patient with it, and now it's sort of paying dividends, quite literally, in, uh, in benefits at the back end. So 2024 travel has been much easier as a result of leveraging American Express points and Avios points. So if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, have a look. If you are aware of what I'm talking about, maybe do a little bit more digging online as to how you might be able to make things go a little bit further because there are a lot of benefits to be had. Number 21, YouTube doesn't get any easier. And I've always said that YouTube is the most difficult platform, most difficult part of what I do. And a lot of people think I'm just a YouTuber full time. I'd actually very much still consider YouTube a side hustle, quote unquote, as a hobby. The day-to-day full-time job is running Omnia and the Modern Mind. That is sort of a eight in the morning till seven in the evening sort of job and everything else aside from some training and things happens in the middle of the day or, or either side of that. So getting to a thousand subscribers on YouTube was the most diminishing returns thing I've ever experienced. And actually up to about 10,000 was the most diminishing returns thing I've ever experienced. It was the rule of one video a week do not break that rule for as long as you can, and it will just continue to make progress. And that's ultimately what's got us here, just shy of 100,000 subscribers on the main channel. And ultimately, that doesn't make things any easier. The analytics, the attachment, the effort, the creativity that goes into making things different and coming up with new concepts, whilst the growth has been better, and there's obviously more that we can play with and more ideas that we can go out, more people we can meet, more things we can do, the challenge is still the same. But having the rule of one video a week will change your life over a long period of time is something that I've always held myself accountable to. But it's just not disheartening, but hilarious to know that I thought at some point I'd get to 50,000 subs and we'd have a media team around us and it'd just be easy. But it hasn't really gotten easier. It just, the stakes have got higher. The processes have got more compl- complex. I feel the need to be more and more creative and do bigger and better things and try not to do more of the same. And we then need to fit all of that filming in around what my training's looking like that day or what my day's looking like to not get in the way of things. And ultimately, filming outdoor, indoor training and talking about it as I go is a fantastic way to ruin, ruin said training. So bottom line is, would I recommend starting a YouTube channel and committing to it over a long period of time? 100%. However, I'm just complaining. It's hard work, but I love it. But I, I am just laughing at myself because I thought in 2024, we'd set up some structures and parameters around it and it would get easier, but it hasn't really. The The, the, the difficulties have just, just changed. Um, we've moved past some of the challenges that I've faced in the past. They're sort of dealt with and moving forwards. Great, but with that comes new challenges, which is which is fun. A lot like training. It doesn't necessarily get any easier. You're just always relatively working off a higher baseline and working to a higher ceiling. So it's always going to be hard. That's kind of the point. But if the baseline gets higher and higher, then that's progress. So yeah, lesson learned for me is YouTube is never going to be easy, but we can continue to grow it, which is exciting. Number 22, community matters. And speaking from an Omnia point of view, first and foremost, that is something that we've really tried to be strategic with this year. We've got a few things in motion to really make the most of that and activate our global community a bit better in 2024. And for us personally, we've seen the value in just interacting with our community better. Heads down, running and operating the business day to day often leaves a lot of time for the nice to haves around the edges where it's difficult for Johnny and I to apply ourselves as much as we'd like to to those. We're a small team, we're not invested in, everything's run off profit. So it's, it's difficult to really go at the things that are great ideas unless they sort of 
keep the business moving forwards. So practically speaking, that's where we're at. But community is enormously important, something we want to focus on in 2024. I've done a few sort of last minute run clubs in different parts around the world. I recently did one in New York City and we had over 30 people turn up throughout the day. Done a few in London, done a few in Edinburgh, and it's been phenomenal. People have really engaged with it well. And it's something we want to do a lot more of. So watch this space, essentially. But whether we got complacent or not, I don't know. Community does matter. It's something that's important to us personally and something that's important for the business moving forwards. So if you're a part of any of the communities with the Modern Mind, with Omnia, with the channel, with the social media, etc., hopefully there's going to be a lot more to engage with moving forwards. Point number 23, the final one of today, is this year I have learned that I can only effectively plan about six months at a time because things change quickly and if you're taking steps to actively change your day-to-day change your future and work towards specific things and be obsessed with what you're doing which I'm sure a lot of you are you're you're, everybody listening will in some way be driven by a higher purpose or something out with just the day-to-day monotony that sounds very morbid but you know what I mean you know what I mean We, we all have a purpose in life and if you're pursuing if you're trying to find a way to pursue it more or spend more time on it whether that's business side hustle training whatever it might be there's a lot going on and if you're actively doing that you're you're working towards a, a con- like you're working towards a context that you're trying to create so you're trying to change your current situation which means the situation in six months time could be totally different to the one that you're planning in currently so Aaron and I try and map out the rest of our lives on a regular basis and try and be pragmatic and proactive and think about this and think about that and then in three months four months time an opportunity's come up or something's happened as a result of us actively trying to move things forwards that has changed that context and changed our decision making changed things so i'm doing my best to try and only plan six months at a time in the knowledge that by trying to move things forward and improve on a day-to-day basis the context and person that i will be in six months time will be a different one to the one right now which means that things will feel different different things will be important priorities will be higher priorities will be lower etc etc and that's not to say don't plan for the future in any way shape or form but more monitor the patterns monitor the constants try and be really accountable to what's truly important to you and try and i'm not gonna say any more on that really what i'm trying to do is focus on day-to-day improvement one percent better every day better every week, better every month, moving things forwards and hoping that in three months, six months, 12 months time, that will put me in a position to be able to continue to do that and I can figure things out as I go. Obviously, the short-term goals, there's long-term goals, there's specific KPIs, there's specific things that I want to hold myself accountable to along the way. But the the place I expected myself to be in six months ago versus now is different. For example, I had an MRI scan on my hip this morning and waiting for the results on that it's hopefully just precautionary hopefully just a niggle but we're just a little bit cautious about a few things given everything i've got coming up and that would make my decision making and planning for the next 12 months very very different even though three weeks ago it was just a little bit of a niggle that i wasn't really worried about i'm not i'm not too worried about it now still but that could make the plans made and the thoughts had and the and everything very different and that's just the ebbs and flows of life so for me personally, obviously speaking from my own context and own experience and the position that I, I am doing what I am, I try not to think too far ahead because it stops me from enjoying now and focusing on the now 
And that really goes back to the 4,000 weeks thing where I don't want to spend so much time thinking about the future that I lose sight of the present. And that's the most podcasty way I can probably finish a podcast. So thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, follow or subscribe, share this episode or an episode previously with a friend to help the podcast to continue to grow alongside rating and please write a written review if you are on Apple Podcasts as well. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. You look very, very lovely today. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Subscribe, drop a comment down below and make sure that you like the video and tune in next time as we will have some fantastic guests in 2024 and I cannot wait to share them with you all. Thank you very much and goodbye.